Hey, Richie McCormick here from OTB's Rugby Daily. We'll keep you up to date throughout this year's Six Nations. So subscribe to Off The Ball Rugby and you can listen to Rugby Daily for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Six Nations. Join in the obsession. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Welcome along to the Hurling Pod. We're into week four of the campaign now at this stage, and we've got a friend back in the pod, James Gell. Welcome back from your first holiday in what, four years? Uh, well, first holiday ever with children abroad. And it might be a while yet before I go again. <laughs> <laughs> the furthest I might go abroad is with the Iron Islands at this stage. <laughs> Why are you banned from the Iron Islands? One island, yeah. Not other ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't gone that far just yet. But it's it's so tough. Like our kids are five, two and a half, and six months. And so first of all, we're out numbers. So there's only there's only so many hands you have, you know what I mean? And the amount of luggage you need and package and clothes and etc. and equipment is like you need a team bus. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For, for for all the stuff we have. And it's uh, it's very, very tough. But look at the end of the day, I'm trying to take any uh, a kind of a a mature approach to it, Will, and say like they, they'll remember it for, for good experiences. For me, I am broke up. I'm not sure. I feel like I was training for the last seven days, two or three times a day. Because as I was saying to you off here, you were you were a lifeguard, you know, you were a bodyguard, you were literally like one of those guys in the watchtower from high level trying to, trying to make sure all the moving pieces don't go near your kids, etc. Uh, roadways, you know, opposite, the, so such little things like. Like she, one of my girls spilled a, a Coke on her, her pants and I couldn't change her on the plane. Do you know what I mean? It was too, I'm too big. So I, if you go in the toilet and open the door and try to take, <laughs> change a child, it's, mm, it's, not that, it's not that easy, guys. Like, you know, <laughs> Ryanair flights, I'm not going to go into the Ryanair planes, right? Because they, they are what they are. They're cheap and cheerful. That's exactly what they are. But my God, they're pots of shite. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't care if it's a 2023 reg in the plane. I don't care about <laughs> she's a pot of shit. There's no space at all. And they got one of the. We went with uh with, with my my wife's sister, and her her fella, and her fella is six, eight, you know, and twenty two three stone. So that man was in the absolute height of discomfort <laughs> for four <laughs> hours this way and four hours back. <laughs> but it was great. Tenerife was lovely. The sun was the sun was excellent. I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Snapchats or videos of snow and rain back in Ireland. So now it's kind of weird to come back into the rain and I'm sunburned. <laughs> Just to be right. <laughs> As Roy Keane would say, those seats are rock hard as well, Skell. It's not ideal. I think Rome is the furthest I've gone on that particular carrier. And like after three hours, you're feeling it. You are. Um, and that's you that's sitting by yourself now, Will. Bear in mind now, I've got little people crawling over me, crying, toilets. You know, it's just, it's it, it wasn't a, ple- a pleasurable experience. So maybe maybe my Ryanair thought uh, or my, my, my opinion on the Ryanair situation, plane, etc., is is heightened by the presence of kids. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, no Wi-Fi, you, you couldn't watch Paw Patrol, couldn't watch Coco Melon. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> on the way over, I'm saying, right? But I, on the way back, I had uh, about 40 shows downloaded. So I was, uh, I think it's all a learning curve, you know? So I, yeah. I was saying to the wife, it might be, it might be, if I can get away with three years time, not having to go again. That's, that's, a, that's a fair result on my behalf. But I don't think, I don't think she, she'd want me to compromise a bit. But not next year. But this year, no way. That's it. Next year, it could be 2026. 
Just the minerals. That's good news. Good news for the pod and for the pod listeners. We're not going to lose scale for the rest of the year to a second holiday. Oh, um, that brings you on nicely to the first question uh, that we've got in, which came in from Damien Cahill, which you can both answer. Damien's a, a Limerick listener who got in contact overnight when I looked out for the questions. So he said, what's Cahill's opinion of all-inclusive holidays? Ooh. So we went for we went for six nights, um, and that, that constitutes, say, three three meals a day. Um, I'd be very black or white. So if the word's all-inclusive, that signifies to me it's fucking all-inclusive, right? But in the hotel, it wasn't all-inclusive. There were things you had to pay for that they didn't stipulate in the, you know, when they were selling to you. So, well, for uh, booze now, that'd be fairly typical. What else did you not get? Oh, the, the drink, I see, you wouldn't be drinking much anyway with kids. But uh, so some of the food elements, you know, some of the snack elements, some of the, uh, even some of the services in the hotel, like basic services, you think that, you know, if you want your towels changed, they charge you. You know what I mean? If you wanted, uh, you know, where they were given two bottles of water per room, we were looking for four, they were charging you for the other two, even though it was a four-person room. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Little things like that just bugged me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just got to me, like, you know. Uh, that, and then if, if you wanted, uh, if you wanted your, your luggage, you know, move from room, let's say we had, I'm not joking, we had seven bags and stuff, right? They charge you. I'm saying, the little things were kind of getting to, I thought that was a free element, you know. You had the water, luggage towels, they were all free elements, so... Uh, all inclusive. Uh, so that's, that's one of them. Are we talking about a charge here now where they're expecting a tip when you get to the room? No, no, or is this like before they even bring them up, you charge you? So when I, I went to go settle the bill like you know, yesterday mm-hmm. and he started ringing off these charges and I was saying, hey, buddy, whoa, like what's, <laughs> when you talk about this, like, and he was going through towels and I was thinking, did Grace buy towels? Like, I don't remember packing towels or bottles. Of, I don't remember buying bottles of water. And then they have it all logged, you know, the time at which they went through everything. I said, you fucker. So to bring me four towels on Thursday, they charged me eight euros. Uh, for two extra bottles of water from Tuesday onwards, they charged me 26, 27 euros. You know what I mean? For the luggage to carry up and down, coming in was fine. That was no charge, but going down the way, uh, they charged me 12. And I shit you not, lads. The walk was from from here to my fucking toilet. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, it was the, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize the point of what the walk wasn't fair, etc. But uh, that was one of. But then the food, like the food, was questionable. As I, we ended up eating out four, four days out of six. Yeah, because one, the, the place is manic. You know, the place is jammers, and two, the food was. It was just, you know, it was, it was poor enough. Poor enough. That, that was that was the worst thing. And, I, and what trouble is, Kenny had warned me. He'd warned, he would have been in Tenerife, let's say, at the start mm-hmm. of January. I think he'd warned me that the food was shocking. And I thought maybe it was just different areas, and he went for a different plan in the hotel. But by God, was he right? You know, it was. It was. I'll be honest. Food, food was horrendous. You know, I got sick two days. You know, not from alcohol, just from bad chicken, bad stuff. So that's what that's what forced me uh, and everyone else to uh, to eat out. So then you end up spending like six hundred euro over four nights. <laughs> Do you know what I mean on meals? So it's like that's pricey. Oh. Where where did you watch Mahomes win his uh, third Super Bowl ring then? Yeah, what a fuck up! Like so, <laughs> the, the licensing thing right uh, in Tenerife is weird. You know, so it's not like Ireland where you might just. I tried to negotiate locking with a couple of people, and that was just no. They were. I think it was probably the language barrier, even though they were speaking English back to me and they were from England. But I'd say it was just, they were saying, no, we're not going to give you lock in. So I got three quarters in one bar right. in, 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 on the kind of the strip in Tenerife. And then I had to travel, like, travel, I say, cabs, like five kilometers in a different direction to get to like a nightclub. I had to go to a nightclub. So can you imagine me, right? And because Tenerife is so warm, all the, the, the pubs are open. Like, you know what I mean? You don't go through a door and down a stairs upstairs. So everything is just, it's open country. I'm just sitting there at a high stool outside, right? Everyone is inside, and I'm just like, look, watching the game, 
going crazy. So if you had no sound, which we had no sound, I couldn't hear the game, right? And you just look at me, you say, this guy is, he's, he's mentally ill. You know, there's something wrong with that guy. Because I was just pulling my hair out and screaming at Brock Purdy. <laughs> and then when they win it, I got, I got sick. I got up and walked home in vexation. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had to watch it in a couple of places. But um, overall, it was actually a nice experience, the, the, the holiday itself. Sounds it's amazing. Just, it's just tough work. It's just tough work. Hard work with them. So, yeah, let's park that and move on. We'll, I don't know if yeah. <laughs> well, talk about to two points flown off it, right? So the first one was, we got to talk about this, Paul and I, last week. This wonderful illustration we got sent in. And as you can see, um, John Gunter's illustration has got the swear jar there in the front. In the first six minutes of this podcast, you have swore more than you probably did all of last season. So the swear jar is overfilling at the moment. Yeah, well, it, it, the swear jar also paid for the holiday last week. <laughs> 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 no, it's just, the worst thing to do with me... By the sounds of it. The worst thing to do with me is to ask me a question about like an issue or something immediately after it's happened. Mm. So like immediately after, like I was watching the Clare Water game and some young lads went up to Davy after, after right after the game trying to get him to sign autographs, and I was yeah, just thinking, he's probably losing his mind like inside, you know, chewing his tongue. And that's the same. I I'd be at times whereby if you ask something whereby I feel like I got stung or got done. Just don't ask me for like two days. <laughs> give me three days. You know what I mean? <laughs> just give me some time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the two things to flow, right? So Damien's got a second half of the question, which we'll ring Murphy in the moment. But for both of you, something that really surprised me yesterday, because I watched the game, I went to bed then around about four o'clock in the morning, woke back up, and I was looking at ESPN to see what the reaction, the fallout was from it. And some of the San Francisco 49er players admitted they didn't know the rules about overtime before it started, which may well have fed into their idea to kick for the field goal and actually allowed Mahomes to get the ball back in his hand, which eventually the Chiefs would score a touchdown and win the game. I don't know if you've ever had this. As players, would you not be acutely aware of all of the rules and scenarios before something happens? Like To me, even the idea that some of the 49ers players said they looked at the Jumbotron just before it started and went, oh wait, the rules are different in the playoffs. They've changed for about two years. So like as players, Paul, would you not be very aware of all these scenarios and rules, no? Um, yeah, like... Uh... I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I They always used to try rules uh, in, in the league. I couldn't tell you how... I, I might have a basic grasp of them, but I wouldn't have went too far into the weeds on it. Not unless, like that now, I felt it was... Um, I felt it was very technical or that was a massive change in the rules where I was like, right, I really need to get a grasp of this. Generally, they were fairly basic changes. But, like, overall, yeah, I would have had a good grasp. Like, I remember I remember having an argument with the referee one day. It was, like, it was a menial argument. But we were playing Dublin in the league in Kilkenny and Dublin got a line ball and we, we were winning the match well. So do you know that sometimes the referee kind of softened their stance potentially towards the other team? Like, look, I mean, again, it, it happens. But um, we, Dublin got a free for one of our players not retreating quick enough from the line ball. But the Dublin player threw down the ball. The ball was moving and he struck it and it hit Killian Buckley. And he said, free, he didn't go back quick enough. And I said, but the first foul was the ball was moving while he struck it. Like, that's that's the first foul. So saying this to the referee, and the referee's like, no, he didn't get back quick enough. I was like, I know. But the Dublin player struck the ball as it was moving, rolling along the ground for the sideline. So there's your first free. It doesn't matter that our player hadn't retreated far enough because the Dublin player committed the foul. And I got booked for it because I was making too much of an argument about it. So... 
Some of the rules, I find it very surprising. I didn't know that about the Super Bowl. I didn't actually watch the Super Bowl, so I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and I won't oh. claim to, yeah. <laughs> I'm the neutral person on this and that you both stayed up because I was actually going to bed like nine o'clock on Sunday night. I was after watching an episode of Yellowstone, I think. And I was like, the two boys now are somewhere now plotting how to stay up, watch this, and they're going to be destroyed for about two days to try and get their... Now, I know, scale you were going to be wrecked anyway. But um, no, I didn't watch it. And to bring it back then, Will, I don't think I ever had a situation where there was a rule that I wasn't overly sure of. But like that now, what we would have had, and I think I said it previously in other podcasts, Brian would have, if he felt there was a, a rule came in that we really need to be aware of, and I know we'll probably get onto it later, like when it came in that you're not allowed to grab the face card or mm-hmm. third man tackle being the big one that, listen, you have to think, don't get fired up, two lads are jostling, you go in shoulder the other fella, you were getting sent off. So they did harp on that for us. So it was kind of laid on a small bit, but I don't ever remember a, a drastic change in the rules where we just, we hadn't a clue and we were oblivious to it until it happened. Yeah. I mean, it feeds into the idea, I think, Scale, that probably players outside of their own matches maybe don't watch a huge amount. Like maybe it was a case the 49ers players don't actually sit down and watch the playoffs if they're not involved themselves. If, when, when you, actually, when you hear players, um, you know, some ex-players, uh, particularly who do, a lot of them have started podcasts, uh, speaking about their careers, uh, very few of them watch games. Very few, yeah. A lot of them keep in touch with, with, with opposition players through uh, various social media platforms, etc. But they don't watch the game, um, and they treat it, they treat it like work. So they shut off from, from it completely. The only way they watch, see, I, I don't think they have the time to do so to watch others. The only way they watch teams would be via you know streaming them for breakdowns, watching yeah. films and say so, trying to break down a team or, or, or find a, a little avenue to to break them down, etc. But <clears throat> in terms of watching it for sports. As a neutral, that doesn't happen at all. But I was, I was amazed. I think, like no more than yourself, more like there was always situations whereby new rules would come in, uh, and they could be look, they could be low level, they could be high level. But you, you'd cover it in like December or January, but you, but you cover it briefly. And once you were told once, that was it. There was no going back to it. Yeah. Remember the rule, lads. Remember the rule. Remember the, there was no none of that crack. It was just you were told once. Here's a briefing. You bring in a referee. You t- maybe and you talk through it. You have a training game. Talk through it, etc. And that's it. It's not covered anymore. But when I saw what the Kansas City Chiefs did in terms of their preparation for the rule, that just showed like the management were on, were on their game, you know, and they, they, they covered it, took, took every box, whereas Kyle Shannon, I'm afraid, didn't. And like, if you're looking up at the Jumbotron in the middle of a flipping Super Bowl, trying to educate yourself on a rule, you know, it's that's probably not the best place to do it. <laughs> I'd probably like to do it a week previous, you know, whereas like, I, here, I knew the second rule. Like, mm. and, like, but that's, and I bet you a lot of the people, supporters in the stadium knew the rule. Yeah. for the Niners the difference but it, it nearly brings you it, it just got me thinking there I know it's a, a topic for another day but <clears throat> do you know the way when you have matches as well and you send up the captain for the for the toss and he'll come back with a message from the referee that the referee is clamping down on two things today like they say the hand pass and uh, talking back to the referee so <laughs> you'd have a lad come back to the other and say right there's no talking back to the referee he's after saying it there grand or the hand pass and it's like I often think to myself on those occasions, like, yeah, but that's that's always the case. Like, as in, why why have we picked two rules today that we're really going to clamp down on as opposed to let's just play it on? I understand referees want to get a speak in at the start of the match and say, listen, you know, one of your lads spoke back to me the last day and all this sort of stuff. I had to book that grand. But, like, I always find it funny when you're going out playing a match and the captain comes back with a message from the referee that he's going to be clamping down on such and such today, pulling up the jersey. <laughs> you're like, okay, right. Do, do, you, do you feel that happens only in the club game? It yeah. was never it was never came back to us whereby because you'd be pre informed, you know, at county game. 
That's well, the, see, the, the thing was, was like it was usually topical with the county games. Like, as in, right. you, you'd yeah. be hurling a league match and it was the hand pass, let's say. That's topical at the moment. But, like, let's say 2014, there might have been something that came out in, in, in the wash of 2013. They said, right, we'll clamp down in the, in the league in 2014. And it was the, the one free that kept getting pulled. And in the next year, it'd be something different. It would be... Um, let's say the, the arm arm going in and pulling at another player trying to you know hit his arm that's one I know people give out about maybe Limerick yeah. at the moment but so each year there was I always said there, there was a rule that had extra weight on it for that season that was really the extent of it whereas with club matches it would be very much the message would come back from referee X that right this is what he'll pull you for this the next referee now will actually is a little bit different. He'll let that go, but you know, maybe this will be pulled up. And like that's just look, that's just a little bit of variables. That's not to criticize referees. There's just a bit of a bit of variances there in terms of what different lads look for. Yeah. Um just on the hand pass, I presume you all saw Barry Kelly's comments at the tail end of last week. He reckons seventy-five percent of hand passes currently are fouls. So he's very strongly behind the motion from Tipperary, which is going to go to Congress, where it was the Nina Air Old Club that have got that motion coming through, which they state if it was to change, it would be a foul to either hand pass the ball or palm the ball directly from the same hand that's holding the ball. So it'll be a much clearer um striking motion with the other hand if this has come Jeez. through. Um 75% fouls? Now, I know this is a multiple All-Ireland final referee in Barry Kelly who's saying this, but like, are we really seeing 75% of hand passes as fouls right now? I don't think we're seeing 75%. I think it's, uh, I think people are very passionate about it at the moment and maybe maybe over-exaggerating how many fouls we're seeing because I did see that comment and I was looking at Claire and Watford and I said, right, we'll have a look at these now. And, you know, if there was five in the game, there was a lot of hand passes, but if there was five that were bad during the game, maybe six, like there was no way that that accounted for 75% of the passes. Um, the other thing I would I would say, and I know Skell will weigh in on this as well, is that I'd be, I'd be cautious about a change of the rule to making sure that, the, let's say, if I hold it in my left hand, that I have to either pass it off the hurl or pass it out my right hand. Because, because the way teams are swarming the player in possession at the moment, it could become very hard for that player to get rid of the ball and then we're going to see lots of rooks and then we're going to see lots of hot balls. And then suddenly we're talking about, oh, the game is slowing down because there's rooks, because the ball is breaking down, the referee's having to throw it in. And then we saw a throw in, we, we, we saw a hot ball um, between Clare and Watford where it was just going to turn into a fight. It was just before halftime and I said, this is going to be a fight because there was about 16 players around the ball. And I said, sure, how can he throw the ball in here? And he was mm-hmm. pleading with uh, pleading with lads to step back. Was it Liam Gordon or someone was the referee? Pleading yeah. with lads to step back. Couldn't do it. So what I would say is that put yourself in that position. Let's say Stephen Bennett wins the ball and he now has to try and hand pass the ball out of the opposite hand or flick it off the hurt. He's not going to do it. So the fall, ball falls on the ground. Next thing David Fitzgerald picks up the ball. He now has to try and do that or burst out. And yeah. he's either going to be charging or he's going to be... So I think that at the moment, I appreciate that people say, okay, it's a foul. But is... The flip side of that probably going to be a worse outcome in that we're going to see a lot more rooks because players can't get rid of the ball quick enough. So that's just something I play devil's advocate on it to say that absolutely it's always good to have a look and say, is there a better alternative here? But I think that the way players are swarming the man in possession at the moment, it may turn into something that we hadn't thought of and that there'll be a lot of rooks. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right because I think it's, it's easy on the outset to look at this and say, look, we're just changing the hand pass rule. But I actually think you're changing the direction of the game entirely. Because mm-hmm. every team now at the moment is playing exactly what you're saying, Murph. They're playing a possession-based game. Swarm. Loads of numbers, as, as we've seen, even in the league this year, most teams are committing loads of numbers in between the 45s. So if you have that situation whereby you're... There's, there's going to be multiple instances whereby lads get, get, get 
swarmed up, etc. Yeah. And I think there needs to be a new rule in, you know, introduced uh, if you're going to adopt the hand pass rule. For example, like, can you drop the hurl now? If you if you have to if you have to swap hands, yeah. right? Does that mean then you're allowed to, to forcibly drop the hurl only for a pass situation, not for a goal? Obviously, hand pass the goal yeah. like it used to be. But can you get rid of the hurl in a rook or in a in a, a bottle tackle as you said? And then release it because if you can't, sure, it's not possible. All teams are going to do is just hold, is just hold your your hurl hand. You know what I mean? They're not going to be able to get you to release it. So I just think it's easy for us to look uh, focus on the hand pass and say we need to do X and Y changes, but then you're just going to have an, I think it's going to have a domino effect, and you're going to have to introduce new rules or or reintroduce new, new rules to to facilitate the hand pass. Whereas mm. if referees just clamp down the hand pass, you know what I mean? Forcibly clamp it down. Would be all right. You know what I mean, because you remember last year or the year before, we went through a phase whereby referees were pulling, they were probably an average of two or three feeds a day, you could say, where they were full mm. of keep it going. And over time, people would adjust. I, I think it's 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 drastic and draconian if you if you go and introduce this hand pass rule. And then I think we, we, we go through the hand pass rule and then you have to, I suppose, we'll be educating ourselves as it goes along and then we'll find shit. It's actually not, it's not good. It's not, it's not good. We need to go back the way it was. Or it's just forced the rules there at the minute. You know, I hate to see the game change. I, I personally don't like the game being changed in direction because yeah. of a, a, a minor rule, if you ask me. You know, because every team is at it. It's not one team is at it more than the others. Every team is at it. And I don't agree at 75%. I think the perception out there, it might look like 75% from a TV screen, but in person, we know it's, it happens much quicker than the, than the eye can capture on television. But they're, they're, they're certainly happening. Every team is doing this. It's certainly happening. But don't, don't change the, the direction of the game. Just enforce the rules there. Mm. Well, look, maybe Paddy Levy has already found the solution. So Christy O'Connor's article yesterday had this, which I thought was a wonderful detail. And it meant that Christy had to go and watch every single brick flick that happened. But, um, <laughs> No yeah, well, like, Paddy Levy's done this a bit. We've seen it with Bally Gunner as well, where he would do the brick flick. But it went to a whole different level at the weekend. So he had 24 possessions during the game, 17 brick flicks. Now, he only lost the ball once. And on top of that, his distribution was really good outside that. So when he went longer and more conventional, if you want to call it that, uh, with a proper swing, he set up 1-4, including like the very nice long pass that went in for that water for goal. But... If it's so effective, Paul, why aren't more people doing it? Like, if Paddy Levy can get off 17, like, what is a bit of a skill? You have to oh, drop space. the ball down and, you know, you have to... It's faceful. Yeah, it's, yeah like, if, you, but if you look where he's picking up the ball, like, I, I, I played that um, role a, a few times. When, when teams started playing sweepers, it's a dream role. Like, I mean, you're just, you're drifting back, you know, you let two lads go up and get the ball, you pick up the ball, and automatically you're going, here, Owen Murphy, you clear that because I'm the wrong man to clear it. Clear that there, flick it out to other lads. If you said, okay, Paddy Levy, go up centre forward there and keep doing the brick flick, he can't do it because he's too bottled up. The brick flick is, it's bad we're calling it this, but it's, <laughs> it's a loose way of passing the ball. It's very loose. It's not accurate. And like you throw it down, you can flick it out to a fella. But that's just because you notice there's someone outside you in space and they have acres of space. You just need to get the ball to them. That's even the scenario where you can just pull it on the ground and just get it out to them. So if you look at the majority of places that he picked it up, like when he set up Sean Walsh's goal, uh, that was from a puck out. He had acres of space, had time to look up. The majority of the other times he was picking it up, it was a 50-50 ball, lands down, breaks, he gets it. And because he knows he's about to be closed down, get the ball out of there to the extra defender that Watford had. So predominantly, it was just the scenario he found himself in. But if you move him up the further up the field, he can't do that. He can't because he doesn't have the space, he doesn't have the time. And most likely, the lad he's trying to hit it to isn't a spare man. He's actually being marked. So if you give a brick flick to a fella, your man's going to end up in hospital. If he's up in, if he's up in the forwards, if you flick it up to him and leave it hanging there, he's getting cleaned, like, you know. So 
So what uh, you're saying, Murphy, is that if he did it in front of you, you'd clean him out. You'd absolutely get busted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you imagine there now, right, if you, if, if let's say Watford are playing Tipperary tomorrow and uh, Desi Hutchinson's there and Conor Levy pops the ball up and Ronan Maher sees that Desi Hutchinson has to stand there and wait for that ball. Like, he's going to get busted. So it's the scenario that you're in. Like, sometimes it's a one-handed pass is all you need. Get it out there. But it was more the fact that long ball comes down, breaks off the defenders. He picks it up. We've seen Tyler mm-hmm. Burke do it. Not, not the brick flick itself, but picks it up in that scenario. It's just Tyler Burke decides to do something a little bit different in that he comes, tries to run out, look up to see what's happening and gives a short pass as opposed to... Uh, Levy was going a bit more lateral. He was going left and right. So when he'd pick it up, he'd break out to the side and pop it off. You know, so I don't think it's a case that, like, I wouldn't be going, geez, why isn't more lads thinking of doing this? It's just a case that he found himself in more scenarios to do it than, than anyone else over the weekend. Mm. So basically, Scott, the advice would be use it in moderation. It's fine if someone's coming in to hook you and maybe in that scenario you can get a ball away, but it's not a pass you'd be doing all the time. No, it's not. And I think if you look at the, it's easy to get kind of uh, skewed by data or, or statistics. But if you were to read that line, you know, the possession base and the statistics, you say, geez, he was unbelievable, right? But then you actually watch the game and you see that he had, in most times, he was actually afforded the opportunity to miss a touch, which is which is crazy to think in today's game where you can miss a touch, roll off the ball, turn around and then do a brick flick. You know, it's, 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 he had, so what he had is he had time and space. And if you put those two factors together, but sure you can, you can kick the ball twenty four times to pass it, and <laughs> still it would it wouldn't go it wouldn't go straight. You know what I mean? Um, I, I appreciate. it. I just think it's the brick flick is 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 it's a bespoke circumstance. It's, it's only required when it's required. Do you know what I mean? Um, if it's needed, and that's if your hands are grabbed, etc., and you can flick it off. Um, but it's if I'm the same as Morph. I don't think it's an, it's a terribly accurate way of passing the ball. Um, it's, it wouldn't be for me now. I wouldn't like it. I especially wouldn't like it around the defence area where there's numbers equalised numbers. If you're up out in the middle in the space. Rock on, but for me, the hand pass is is the most accurate pass um, within five or six yards. You know what I mean? Anthony, beyond that, you won't be striking. But look, fair place to me. He's he's got us talking about it, but I, I don't see it's it's, it's going to stay in today's in today's game and the way it's going. Um, it'll be it'll always revert, revert back to the hand pass. So refs, look after the hand you pass. Would, <laughs> you wouldn't have appreciated so if Dahi Burke or Gerald McInerney was getting closed down and they decided to brick flick it back to you. It, as I said, in the bespoke circumstance, if it's required, no problem. If they if they have if they, if they can flick it off and get it off with the hurdle, do you know what I mean? Whereby their other hand is, their hand pass hand somehow is grabbed or whatever. You know, again, it's it's, it's a specific circumstance, circumstances, but I wouldn't like a dribbly out shit ball or a hang ball coming and fucking Richie Hogan lurking on the place. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't like that. <laughs> but let's just say I wouldn't be giving them, you know, uh, praise at the end of it, you know. <laughs> I'd be talking Fair. a bit more a bit more sternly. Fair enough. Um, Damien's second question, I promise we'll get into the games in the weekend then. Uh, kind of did around Clare there, anyway, or around Waterford there, anyway, but uh, talking about Scales holidays, on the end of it, it's a question for both lads. This one should be fairly quick. Paul Murphy, pool or beach? Uh, beach. Scales. No question, beach. You, yeah. Two things, you have a lot of ground to cover <clears throat> as a father. Yeah. Right, you can, co- you can cover quicker than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. And the thing I like about the beach, Murphy, it's a straight line, right? Yeah, which means I can get a straight line quick. Whereas the yeah. pool, it's all fucking. I had to get around the pool and do you know what I mean through the pool. Yeah, yeah. It was so hard to get them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I'm just not a sun worshiper. Like I can't sit out in the sun for too long. I'm, I'm pasty as Anton. So like I'll just burn up. So I need somewhere there's a little bit of activities going on. That I can either look at while I'm sitting in the shade, or that I can at least go right. I'm gonna try on a shirt here and go for a stroll or something. But uh, the pool. Pool isn't the one for me. Unless, I'm, unless there's a pina colada in my hand. Pool, fine then, but not beach. But this is the sound as well, though. Ah, yeah, that's it. The sound, yeah. sound of the beach is, is way better than fucking kids roaring and shouting. 
<laughs> around the pool. I thought you were going to say the calmness of the pool there, but no, it comes back to kids roaring and shouting. Yeah, fair enough. Mm, you can roar shout the ocean as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but see, the thing is, it's, it's space, more for space. I am immune to kids crying now. Anyone's kids crying. I do, I, like, before I had kids, I, I'd be kind of uncomfortable if kids started crying. I'd be like, oh, jeez, get that yeah, kid to stop crying. You're numb to it. Get, get that kid to stop crying, please. I'm enjoying my food. And next thing now, I just don't give a shit. You <laughs> just can't. <laughs> yeah, deal with it. Right, let's park the holiday talk there. Hurling on off the ball is with thanks to Borgash Energy. They're the proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, plenty to look at from the weekend. Again, I saw people were saying Skell's going to come back in bad form because Galway were beaten by Tipperary as well. Uh, that is probably the game to start with, though, lads. I mean, Tip beaten Galway in the end, 126 to 24 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garota Connor is having some week. He was brilliant for UL in the Fitzgibbon midweek. And now at this stage, Murph, I wonder, one thirteen, he scored the penalty that secured the win at the end as well. Like, we wondered who was going to step up at a time where, like, Jason Ford is not available right now. You had Seamus Callan retiring at the end of last season, where O'Connor is maybe now emerging as Tip's main forward. And this has been some start of the campaign for him. Yeah, it's been a great start. Um, three men in the matches in one week, uh, which I know has been said several times, but like that's a great achievement. And I think what that kind of displays is that it was, it was great that he got off to such a great start against Dublin. Um, was probably not even coming down off the you know the buzz of that of having put in such a strong performance against Dublin that straight into Fitzgibbon hurled a great game Fitzgibbon again man the match and then he's straight back into this weekend so you know for him it's a great way like it, it required him to perform well against Dublin to get that momentum going but now that his momentum is going I think in in those three games he's probably demonstrated to himself no more than Liam Cal that First of all, he's capable, but that brings a great belief with it as well. You know, that uh, when it came down to the crux of it uh, against Galway, you know, his involvement closed out the game against Galway. I think it was 1-3 to 1 point in the last few minutes. Now, not that he scored specifically, but that goal as well for the penalty. You know, that that killed the game, obviously, essentially. Now, look, it's a league game. Nobody's getting overly excited afterwards. But like that, to see lads emerging out. I mean, Willie Connors was excellent as well um, at midfield. He was another player. And I'm looking at this from the point of view that Liam Cal will be going, exactly, Jason Ford is out of the way. Jake Morris, you know, didn't start the game. A few lads with a few niggles. Yet there's other players stepping up, which is great. Connor Bow as well was brilliant from wing back. Uh, did he get two points? So, like, I mean, again, the, the lad stepping up, but particularly Garota Connor. I mean, it, it, he's just had such a great start to the league. Um, but again, I think that'll be tempered with Liam Cal will be conscious to say that, you know, we had a great league last year as well and we fell away. So being conscious that, okay, you know, two swallows never made a summer. Let's keep this going. Let's build on it. What's good for Garota Connor at the moment to keep him in that form and, and more importantly, carry that into the championship because it'd be a great dilemma for them to have that Jason Ford comes back, you've Garota Connor there. You're now suddenly causing a few problems for teams to, well, who's the lad we really want to keep an eye on here? So, um, yeah, look, I mean, it's, 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 it's a dream week for him. Um, he's a very enjoyable player to watch as well. Like he, we spoke about Austin Gleeson last week and how he just, you know, how it was so enjoyable to watch Austin Gleeson the way he just really played the game as it was in front of him. We saw Garota Connor with glimpses of that as well against Galway, kind of freewheeling, just running through at Galway lads. As a player would come at him, he might flick the ball over the head and solo on. So he has great touches within this game as well that he's not one dimensional, not like just taking freeze or that he's a lad who needs a score set up for him. He's very creative um, and seems to be kind of enjoying his hurling at the moment. So, Look, Liam Cal will be delighted. I'm sure Garota Connor will be delighted. And it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the rest of the league um, and, and, and finishes out his campaign. 
Mm. I mean, Scal talked about how stacked that LIT team was a few years back. He was playing on like the forward line that UL have right now between Adam English, Garrod, and also having Mark Rogers involved is mm. completely stacked. Um, I realise this will be uh, probably out of date by the time some people hear the podcast, so uh, we'll see how they get on as the week uh, goes on in the fits. But Galway, give me an assessment on the scale because some people are saying, oh, he's going to come back pissed off now after they were beaten. Like, I think this is a weird one to assess from Galway's point of view because you're six points down within 20 minutes. You've got that spell in the second half of the seven scores to get Galway right back into it. Mm-hmm. And then Tipperary, you've got a strong finish. So what's your assessment of what you saw of the game? I suppose you have to start off and, and say, what's the purpose of the league, really, you know, from Galway's perspective or any team? And really, it's, it's can you introduce some blood new players and then see, can you put your, your system, your pattern into play and see, is it effective, you know? And even if it's, if it's not fully effective, is the bones of it there where it can be effective with, with, with work as, as time goes on. It was, it was hard to see from Goal's perspective what... It was a very loose game. Like, you look at the, <clears throat> the half-time score, it was like 16, 13, so you're talking 29 scores, you know what I mean? And that tells, <clears throat> that tells his own story too. Look at Clare and Watford, the whole... I think the whole amount of scores there was 37 scores. So we're only eight shy in the whole game. At halftime, that signifies kind of a very loose game in terms of the contest. It wasn't a huge contest, you know what I mean? Uh, and when you get a pattern play whereby you have six in a row and then we have seven in a row and you finish with one three, it's not, you know, it's not great. So it was a league game for all intents and purposes, right? Um, but I was, I was concerned about a couple of things. Number one was uh, our defence was a bit porous, let's be honest. We, I think we'd look back if you're reviewing that game and say, how are we going to, you know, I suppose get better in future. You have to start with your defense. I'm, I'm always, I say it ten times every year. You know, the, the defense is, is the baseline of your championship winning team. And if you can get a good defense and shut down others, you know, and not, and I was going to say nullify. I didn't say negate. I'm going to say nullify. <laughs> I don't hear that. <laughs> um, and and like nullify opposition big players, Gary Connor. So he scores one thirteen. He scores one nine from freeze. You know what I mean? So if you can nullify the four points he gets from play. You know, you're close to win the game, but we just let an awful lot through. And it was a case in point when you saw in the second half, um, what was the man's name that came in? Jeez, uh, what was his name? Kios, just Mark Kios. He's the yellow helmet, mm. 19. So, like, he had, I think he had three pints in only a couple of minutes. But the, the type of the pints he got weren't whereby he was under pressure, under contest. It was loose stuff, break stuff, you know what I mean? Runners come through. So, there was no real biting or defence. That was worrisome. But then, on the other side of the coin, what? What am I happy about? The way the boys fought back, let's say, from like from eight to fifteen up to get to get into a position whereby you were, you know, you were draw game with only a few minutes left. And look, there was a couple of fundamental errors we made at the back, to be honest, to, to both concede the penalty and to go to go point down for Connors one on the wing. And yes, we we did let off one three, you know, in the last couple of minutes to a point. So that's that's slightly concerning. But again, the league is always looking at it. Could, could that be the legs? Could that be just match sharpness? Could that be personnel that's not available to etc.? So I, I never really get concerned about that kind of stuff, but it's it's more what's what kind of system we're trying to do. Uh, the personnel we're putting into the game, you know, new guys are they able to be at the, at the performance? I've started the goalie, Derek Fahey. He's playing he's playing well. The last two games he's been solid, really good. Um, and the same way, Don Lachey is doing okay. At Ronald Glynn, I had him down as being a, a centre back for Galway. If we could give him time there, it looks like he's playing in the wing. Keane Fahey come back to wing back. It was a new one. I didn't expect that this year. Although he plays plenty there for his club, um, so it seems like they're they're trying players in certain positions to see will it will it come off. You know what I mean? Um, and look, let's keep going. Now it's going to be a crunch game. Is it yourself? Now it's going to come down. Only two come out of the league <clears throat> into the knockout. So having lost to the one of the big three, you could say in Tipperary, we now have to go and face a situation whereby you 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 likely have to beat Limerick. You know what I mean? Our score difference is pretty healthy. Uh, we need to be pretty healthy. You know what I mean? Um, at the end of it, because it could come down that way. You could have a situation whereby. Please God, we beat Limerick, and then Limerick turn over Tipperary, and you're actually looking for score difference. So it's 
and that's having to win the Dublin game. <laughs> so it's just, I'm not trying to bypass anyone per se, but losing games to the to the bigger teams is tricky in the league. Um, and it, it adds bite, which I like. I, I don't like a situation where you're bringing three or four out of a group of only five or six teams. So um, there's lots, lots to do, but the bones of what we're doing um, is 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 not too bad. You know what I mean? And like like Paul said, Chip were flying this time last year. They got the the upper hand at the, at the finish. Then that, that's the key thing at the finish. They got the upper hand, um, so they're slightly ahead of us at the moment. Yeah, the context, by the way, of negate is that I got a message from <laughs> a subscriber on Sunday morning who said, drinking game for the rest of the year every time the scale says negate. So <laughs> keep your eye out. Maybe it's going to be like the Mikey Butler counter by the end of the season. We'll I didn't down. think I said that much, Will, to be honest. But no, but I bet, I, I, I bet it's in your mind now at this stage. Every yeah, now I'm conscious of saying it. Like, hmm. Do you know the yes, no game or the yeah game yeah. you hear on the radio? Yeah, yeah. I'm like shit. I can't say that now. <laughs> I gotta be careful. <laughs> Here's me on word source, then trying to pick up new get new words. <laughs> I mean, the same thing. They all nullify. There's all, there's all types of words you can use. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, the other one was that we got quite a few comments, uh, not necessarily from Tipperary fans, but people saying Tipperary have looked very impressive in the first two rounds. Um, Liam Cal did say after the game as well, Murph, that silverware is something that Tipperary need at this point. I'm wondering, given that they've got a foot in the semi-finals now at this stage with the first two results, I think they're definitely going to be in the top three, so they're going to be in one A for next season. Do they treat this now as an opportunity to go and win the league from here? And is that what they should be doing? Um, not, not to, it's not a case of deflect the question, but if it's a case that Liam Cal has decided that this is what the benefit would be to, uh, to the Tipperary group, well, then that's fair enough. It, it, it's hard to have your finger on the pulse of each panel to, to see where each team needs to be. Like, it, it, I think the easy thing to say is that no team wants to win the league uh, necessarily because it's too close to championship. And, you know, the longer you stay in the league, pick up an injury, you carry that into championship and it's extra games and all this. Um, but if Liam Cal is saying that <clears throat> silverware is important to them, well, fair enough then. Uh, maybe he's looking at uh, how they finished up in the championship last year, that it was in their hands and then they let it fall out of their hands playing against Waterford at the, la- at the end of Munster. And we're really relying on, you know, Limerick to beat Cork for them to stay... So maybe he's saying that, you know, as opposed to maybe he's identified with the group that he's had to set a goal for this group and that goal being the league final, win that league final. And that's a mental battle won for the team that they are good enough to go and win the league. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So maybe he's just setting that goal for them that maybe he's identified last year. We switched off towards the end of the Munster campaign. I don't know why we switched off, but maybe it's a thing that... You know, it's easy target when you're going to play tip, uh, going to play Galway and Thurles. That's an easy game to target. But maybe he's saying to this team now that, well, look, you know, we're in a group here. We want to go and win the league. There's that's as far as we're looking at so far. And then we'll worry about Munster after that. So maybe he's taking the the season down into kind of bite-sized chunks and and giving those lads something to, to work for because you know he's brought in a lot of young players as well. And okay, trying to blood them is one thing, but also trying to, I suppose. Uh, give them a, a sense of structure and for them to understand that look this is going to be a long season um, you have to be able to sustain that long season and turning off at any stage during that season just won't be acceptable you know because that could be the end of our year so maybe that he's he and, and maybe he's learned a bit of things from Watford as well that you know when, when they lost that momentum at Watford they couldn't get it back going again so it's maybe a thing where Liam Cal is looking at this going look we have the young players here there's no reason to say why well, we can't go and win a league let's target it if we don't target it or if we don't win it well then we have a few weeks extra where we can go and go back and reset for a Munster campaign but um, yeah it's, it's interesting to Liam Cal because I don't think 
I can't think of another manager that has openly come out and said, yeah, look, we're looking to win this league. Every other manager is pretty much saying, look, we're taking each week as it comes. You have a lot of players playing Fitzgibbon, you know, all this. But he's probably the first manager to maybe say that, yeah, like a bit of silverware, win the league might be good for us. Okay, well, let's look at the other games in 1B. So I was working around this game on Sunday, which was Limerick eventually getting a victory against Westmead. And I think the theme of the two other games we'll talk about in 1B is that Antrim and Westmead got hammered on the first weekend by their own admission. Both teams also played below their standard, quite aside from Limerick and Tipperary, or sorry, Limerick and Galway playing well in the first weekend. Uh, but Westmead had this in the melting pot right up until an hour into the game. So it was a goal from Dunnico Dalig uh, that effectively settled the match. That came in the 63rd minute. Admittedly, Limerick could have been well in front early on. Graham McCahey had a shot that uh, bounced back off the crossbar and Westmead were able to clear it away. But um, this is a Westmead team who are missing quite a few of their frontline players as well. So afterwards, Joe Fortune said that Niall O'Brien won't be committing for this year and Jack Galvin, who's been very important for them, is in Australia currently. rest of the players are rehabbing currently. But there's players like... Um, you know, their captain from last year and an all-star nominee in Killian Doyle listening around. Kieran Doyle was only able to come on. Tommy Doyle wasn't fit. He came in and played quite a bit, but he wasn't due to be uh, playing within the game because he's been nursing an injury. So at the moment, they're down a few players as well when people might look at the Limerick team and say, look, there's no Hannon, there's no Lynch, there's no Hayes, there's quite a few of the frontline players, no Galan, um, who have been eased into the season. But uh, David Williams did a really good job again. He got 10 points uh, from place balls. It was nine apiece at half time in this game. And then, coming into 56 minutes gone Williams had stuck over a free and made it 14 points apiece so it was a good finish from Limerick 1-2 without reply with that Odali goal towards the end of the game Uh, Tom Morrissey had a big impact kind of in that spell as well set up the goal scored a point himself and then Westmead had a chance for a goal very late on but Niall Mitchell's shot ended up going over the bar as opposed to under it but the thing is Skell I know Westmead won't want any moral victories and this isn't about a pat on the back or whatever else but that's some response after the kicking they took from Galway and Salt Hill the week before. Yeah, and and to be honest, there's a worry we've seen we've seen it before in the past, whether it be League or Championship, where teams who are who they are a tier below that it, it gets like a snowball effect. It just gets worse and worse. Like when they take a, a ship of hammering and they lose personnel, you know, through injury in, in a live situation, whereby never mind when you don't have them available to you in the first place, you know, good players, but when you lose them in a live situation, it just seems to get worse and worse. So the response was excellent, you know, but they they need they need us and. This is the thing you see. It's, we've often seen whereby they have. A, I'm not saying they now in terms of Westmead, but teams of of the real to say will have a good game week this week, and then a bad game the following week. Then try to have a good game, you know. And I think everyone just wants consistency, but it's very very hard for them because all I do is I I'll assess them against my own county, and I just thinking as you were speaking with, I was thinking in my head, God, like we must have a thousand players available to us between all the senior clubs, intermediate clubs, and Galway, you know. Of, and that's a varying standards, don't get me wrong. But then I was thinking Westmead, they, they only have a fraction of that. They only have a quarter, if even, you know, less. And and there's, they have more competition. They have a smaller geographical area with regards to football, etc. So it's like, you know, it's it. there's, a lot, there's an awful lot of circumstances in front of them that, that, that challenges them heavily every year. And that's that's Westmead, that's Antrim, you know, that's Leash, you know. And you can see now what it was awfully, Will, and, but now awfully are, are, are turning it out, as they, and they're coming the right side of it, and they're making ground, you could say. Uh, but it just takes time, and like we we spoke with this in depth I think last year. I think we were on about uh, counties like uh, you know I mentioned Sligo and Mayo, and these people say how to get them up. But it just takes time. It takes integration of the youth all the time. But for Westmead's, uh, pur- their purpose is, is can they can they maintain competition? You know what I mean? And look, you see, Mike, bet ten pints, right? Fair enough. But can he be competitive? And can you maintain that competitive streak throughout the whole course of the competition? That's a very, very important results. Look, they'll come. They, they'll come. It could be in time. It, it, it might be further down the line than people think, but they'll, they'll come. 
uh, but just they have to maintain competition. It's very hard. Even when you lose players of, of like, of, as you've named, you know, it's very, very hard when you don't have that, that exact same pool to pick from elsewhere. <laughs> like, like a go with Kikini. You know, if Kikini lose Richie Hogan to retirement, they've got let to come in straight away again. You know, that's just the reality of it. Like, whereas Westmead, unfortunately, just don't, you know. So I, I think it's, it's a great response on their behalf um, because obviously you, you would think that morale was quite low after the shipping, the, the, the beating that they shipped the week previous. But like credit to them. And of all teams you didn't want to face after shipping Hammer, it was the Limitlets, you know. And in fairness, I think there could be a situation too, Murph, whereby you mentioned a Tipperary last year when they came out of the, you know, the, the kind of stumbled at the Wasp game. I don't think Limerick treat opponents that way. I don't think Limerick should off, to be honest. You know, I think they treat everyone with, with, with equal respect, in my opinion. That's just kind of the, the vibe you give off on them. So I don't think they, they went in thinking we're going to win this by 40 points, you know. So they got they, they received a really good challenge. And again, it's 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 a minor building block for Westmeath, but just they got to continue to keep, keep it rocking. Mm-hmm. When did they bring the big guns back in, Murph? Or when would you bring them back in if you were John Kiley? I know last week we talked about the fact that they're in this unique situation whereby championship comes around, if everyone's fit, John Kiley probably knows his exact starting 15 uh, for that Clare game. But do you integrate them back in around the Tipperary game? Do you give them a bit longer? I think some of them have been on holidays. So I don't know. When do you bring in some of those frontline players that haven't seen game time yet? Yeah, I think the Tipperary game would be uh, the more ideal time. Like again, um, look, they'll they'll just want to be in that that top two or three, which they will be uh, at the end of this league. Um, but there's no point in giving them a full rest off as far as as before the Monster Championship. Like that won't do him any good either. So he, he's. He's in a great position in that, like we, we spoke last week um, about the Antrim game that, you know, Limerick were able to throw out a lot of young players and those young players are fighting for a position on the panel, never mind on the team. So they're aggressive and they're hungry and they rack up a big score against Antrim. Uh, he can strike a bit of a balance then against Tipperary and having those young younger players playing, but also bring back in those bigger names. And that kind of that kind of up, ups the heat as well with the Limerick panel themselves. Because once they start seeing those lads come back, and invariably, you know, if you bring back Gillan there, um, if, if you start Garot, Hegarty and these lads, you know, it'll, it'll create pressure on those younger lads once they start seeing those players come back. So it'll, it'll create, I suppose, a natural environment where John Kiley can start upping the heat, upping the heat. And, you know, invariably, he's going to end up having to drop a few players. But that'll be the natural cycle which he'll be looking towards anyway, towards the end of this league. They're, they're in a great position that they can start off with the perceived kind of, um, I suppose, uh, easier games. Is that the way, way to put it, I suppose, at the start of their league campaign and finishing strong with Tipperary and Galway, which is a good way to finish because, you know, that's the time that they're starting to ramp up and getting prepared for championship. It's a great test. I mean, like, let's say if there was no league, you'd be looking for challenge matches against your Tipperary and Galway's around that time anyway to prepare yourself for a Munster championship. So it's a great preparation for John Kiley. I don't think John Kiley, with his setup this year, is one of the lads that we can actually pick many holes in terms of either his preparation in terms of games or uh, in terms of the young players that he has coming through. Like we're looking at other teams there saying who's going to come through and who can he carry on. John Kiley's looking at it going, I have an abundance of young fellas here. And if none of them cut the mustard, it doesn't really matter to me because all the lads I had last year, I have them again this year. Um, so it's... You know, try and poke holes in where John Kiley would like to have improvements. I don't think there's any existence there, really. Mm. Um, we'll bounce around the other games then. Um, the other game in 1B is the Sickner for Antrim. So they conceded the 136 last week against Limerick. Again, didn't play well at Temple Stadium by their own admission. Just reading some of the quotes coming from the Antrim players, they were very unhappy with how they'd hurled for the vast majority of that game. Found themselves in a winning position against Dublin late on. Now, the goal... 
uh, was credited to Keno Sullivan and it was difficult enough to see on the very wide angle at Corrigan Park but it looks like Tiernan Smith the Antrim goalkeeper may have carried the ball over his own line it was certainly a fumble towards his own line that saw the ball go into the net so Dublin got out of jail a little bit 120 to 119 in the end uh, Conal Cunning very very good for Antrim again scored 110 uh, looked like his goal was going to be crucial at the end of the game um, they did get a point after the Dublin goal but it wasn't enough to rescue a point at the end uh, Keno Sullivan top scorer for Dublin with one goal and five uh, Dublin probably be quite happy they had 10 different players on the scoreboard in the first half uh, had got themselves ahead by 13 points to 1-8 and ultimately this keeps Dublin's chances of qualifying for 1-A alive albeit it's going to be difficult um, elsewhere you were watching this one Skell Waterford and Clare uh, Waterford going back to Walsh Park but Clare making it two wins from two winning by a point in the end 20 points to one sixteen. Yeah, a, a tough game it was kind of. You know, I mentioned on the Galway and Tipperary game about the, the lack of contest, but there was a good contest this one. There was a bit of bite, obviously for, for reasons we don't have to, to stipulate here. But um, you know, again, I, I, the same points I made about Galway and Tip. Wh- who, what are you trying to do pattern wise? Uh, what kind of person are you introducing that, that's going to make a contribution to your team going forward? And uh, and basically, where are you at? And for me, like clear, clear aren't in a bad spot. Like I was saying, you know, the, the week before last, but they're in a kind of a win now mode. I know Brian Lohan won't probably use the same terminology as Liam Cahill, but um, but like I know he 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 mightn't portray that he wants to win the league, but sure as hell he's telling these lads they want to win. I know there's a perception that he needs to manage the league, manage the lower the players, the important players, because they're probably in the position whereby they have the best run heading towards Limerick. Um, but introducing players <clears throat> like 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 Sarin, your man Ring, Crossy, um, Lean, cornerback, you know, even Shane Meehan, I know he's, he's kind of a feature sub, but like, you're, you're getting a couple of guys who've, who've made contributions and then Ring gets his, I think he got man of the match today, if I'm not, I may have missed that, but I think I think he, he got man of the match and you know, you're getting contributions off players that, truthfully speaking, I wouldn't know much about, which is a huge thing for, for, for the likes of Clare. If you can strengthen your panel, you know, and make it a, make it a beyond a 20-man game, let's say, or a 20-man squad, like you're, 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 you're doing well. If you can get people who can relieve pressure off Tony Kelly, I know there's a hidden pressure on Tony Kelly as, 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 as for, for for reasons right, but you know you're 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 in a good position. So I think Clare will come away from Watford. Yes, the, the, the result was was good. Yeah, it's good for them. But for the fact that they've un, I won't say unearthed, but they've they found that the players can hack it in, in a tough environment. You know, it's 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 hugely important. And the performance look there was the, the game had look at it plenty of mistakes. Uh, it was quite an open an open type game. You could say. From the back, the puck out strategies were very were were interesting to watch. I have to say, um, what what either teams did. I think there's more there's more in that, um, and ultimately it was look it was a league game. I, I have slight concern over Watford in terms of some of the sharpshooters. I know Bennett went off went off injury injured. Um, are they getting enough from them from the forwards? That was the case last year where we questioned why uh, you know there was dips in form. They say with the water forwards and they're going to need them. They have personnel they don't don't have obvious high, you know high profile personnel that are not available etc. So. It's like you know where the score is going to come from. From my perspective, um, the Belly Gunner boys—they have what they have. You know, they, they've they've been integrated to the water team as much as possible. So, it's um, it, I think they have a bit of work to do. And I, I can see what you know what the board teams are trying to do. And I have touched on the puck out. I know you probably spoke about last last week. Um, oh, don't worry. We're going to do an absolute puck out breakdown on the members pub. But go on about the water for puck out first. It'll okay. Well, I shall I shall retract it and make sure members listen. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's a nice that's a nice forward sell because I want to ask you about the cork puck out as well because. Um, 
we got a tweet from us, <laughs> No Plan B yesterday, which did a breakdown of how Waterford and Cork are vastly uh, using different puckout strategies. And as Sean Flynn said to us last week, he wanted to ask you about the Limerick final in 2018 and the way that they pressed as well. So yeah. let's let's do that in the members pod uh, for everyone, which is also uh, going to be out if you're listening right now. It's out today as well because we're going to record that directly after we finish this one. Um, Murph, you watched Kil. Well, actually, no. Do you know what, Murph? Before I ask you about Kilkenny and Cork. What did you make of the amount of steps that were taken by Sean Walsh for the goal? If you're a defender, how do you actually defend if someone's able to take that many steps? Who's fouling who first, though, Murph? Well, that's who's, a good question, who, too. say? Who's fouling who? This goes back to your sideline question, did you? For me, it's like, it's like the knock-on in rugby. The, the, oh, first, yeah. the first foul is the foul, you know? So, like, yeah. uh, in, in this instance, like, where Levy hits the ball long to Walsh. Sorry to put across, you know. In, in no, no, it's, it's right, a good yeah. question. Yeah. 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 But, like, I think, I think, you know, Walsh is fouled. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we see this in the, in the game whereby if, if a defender is fouling the forward, yeah. if the ref goes, well, the defender's fouling, let him off, let him keep going until it gets excessive. So I'm yeah, yeah. What's your thought? Well, I would say 11 steps is excessive. So <laughs> <laughs> it should have been brought back. Um, yes, Murph. Uh, yeah. Um, he counted. He, I can picture him rewinding it back. Look at that. Look at that again. The poor cornerback. Yeah, he, he, he was getting onto his... He would have needed a third catch at that stage if he was with the amount of steps he took. But uh, no, again, it goes back to like you're saying. Like, again, I completely understand and I actually do, you know, believe the advantage rule where that, let's say, if he picks up the ball and he's being fouled and he's trying to shake the man and he takes six steps... Like, I know some people would disagree, say, oh, no, it has to be four steps and that's it. But the referee is trying to let the game go on and he's letting an advantage. And let's say the game naturally um, resumes where that he takes six steps, but he shakes the defender, the defender lets go and he solos on. You're letting the game progress naturally there. And I don't think any spectator would say, no, bring it back. He took five steps, you know, bring it back, give him the free and carry on. Um, but you have to call, you have to draw the line somewhere. I mean, it was 11 steps. Now, to be fair, at the time, I didn't tweak it straight away. I kind of thought, geez, there's something about that now that didn't look right. There was just something in the back of my head. But then when you saw the replay, but like, you know, again, we always go back to it. The referee gets one look at it, but it was 11 steps. It shouldn't have been allowed, regardless how much fouling was going on, mm-hmm. bring it back. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to lose a whole amount of sleep over it. If this happened in the Munster final, absolutely, you'd lose your mind. But uh, in, in, in a game in Welsh Park, where again, there was a lot of pulling and dragging going on, he, uh, I'd say even from the point of view of the referee from Ian Gordon, it might have been a case because the two boys got in close together and we often see lads solo on the ball on the hurl um, very briefly and carrying on. There may have been a case that Ian Gordon maybe thought he saw something there. Hard to say, but no, look, it shouldn't have been a goal. It should have been called back. But there was a few decisions over the weekend um, and I know we'll probably get onto it later, Like, but you know, even between the Wexford game and stuff, that there was just wrong decisions by referees. you know, um, And there was, I suppose discrepancies across the board of referees in terms of what was being pulled up and what wasn't and you know some lads would probably feel aggrieved particularly the Wexford lads about the red cards as well so mm. um, look I suppose certainly shouldn't have been a goal um, but look we'll get on with it I don't think uh, don't think Brian Lowen's going to lose a whole lot of sleep over that now after getting the win uh, I think on that instant which you've alluded to there I'm with Keith Roster on this one which is that when hands go on face guards and even if it's high up on the face guard in the case of the Jack O'Connor red card, both players should go there because you've got two players who are grabbing each other's helmets and therefore, Mm. if you're going to be consistent, it's a red to both. And I think in Jack O'Connor's case, his face guard is definitely getting a pull before his hand comes across. Mm. I thought it was an incredibly harsh red card. Yeah, it was completely... I I actually didn't think Jack O'Connor even did enough to be sent off. Like I know they're saying, Keith Roster has been very diplomatic there diplomatic, by saying yeah, send yeah. off both players because he's a, he has a Wexford jersey on him, let's say essentially Keith Roster. He's in the Wexford camp. But I would actually well, say Jack, well, O'Connor, Jack, Jack O'Connor didn't deserve to be sent off at all. 
Um, and, and it was the offensive player that was actually doing more of the pulling than, than Jack O'Connor. Um, but, uh, you know, what's funny is that, yeah, the, the rule is there for a good reason, absolutely. But I saw loads of stills from different games over the weekend where it was just it was just like, you know, Sportsfile were putting up photos or Info were putting up photos or James Crombie, whoever. But I remember just seeing photographs going, I wonder how many actually helmets were grabbed accidentally over the weekend that were worse than Jack O'Connor. But obviously, you know, it didn't go unpunished. You, it, it's accidentally going to happen during games. But I'd feel bad for Jack O'Connor. In fairness to him, and he didn't even protest a whole lot. Like, he, he obviously felt aggrieved by it, but sure wasn't a red card. You feel very bad for the fella. And I'd say it will be rescinded. I don't know what the process is this week now. The Wexford have to put in an appeal. But, um, you know, nothing to do with, again, the Offaly player at the same time. You know, you have to say that Jack O'Connor, very harsh and, and, and shouldn't see out that, that straight red either. Murph, do you see, you know, the, we were talking after the belly gunner, or excuse me, not the belly gunner, the, the club finding between Lachlan and Thomas's. Yeah, we're talking about incidents. Like if you were treating with the letter of the law, lads would be walking all day. Yeah, but you know the face guard. It was brought in because people were grabbing the face guard and you know, moving it back and forth yeah. hard, yeah. And more of an, an altercation type thing, not in an open, open play. You know what I mean? Mm. So do you not think the referee, like he's a bit? I, I this this incident now, I kind of and I normally don't hold sympathy for referees too much, but I kind of did hold a bit of sympathy because you know he has to. If if the face is grabbed, it looks like the, the guard is grabbed. He's going. He has to send them off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's hard for ex- how to explain this now. I think th- there should be a, a bit of slack given to referees by the GA to say, look, if you have instances whereby hands cross faces and fingers get interlocked into guards, etc., you know, unintentionally through open play, let it fucking go, let it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If a guy comes up and grabs your face guard and starts moving you back, fair <clears> enough. <throat> okay, yeah. Get right pulls your helmet off, fair enough. But I think, I think in this instance, I think referees need a bit of assistance whereby they they can relax the law a touch. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there is, yeah. there's, plenty, there's plenty of laws in the game that are relaxed already because yeah. we look at the force of the intention versus the damage received by the by the victim <laughs> you know what I mean let's say, yeah. say right but like and, and referees make the decision all the time I just think it should be introduced for the helmets also yeah well I mean you see it again to, to look at another sport you see it in rugby where let's say the shoulder to the head um, it, unless there's a mitigating factor whereby the body position changes like within hurling again completely agree with you it was brought in because we saw there was, there was an uptick in lads grabbing face guards and like, you know, swinging lads' heads around the place. And also a case of a lad runs past you and he's about to run through and goal and you grab his face guard. Like, it's extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to have instances where lads are fighting for balls on the ground and there's lads down low and, and a face guard is accidentally grabbed. Now, you're not defending it, but is it a straight red card? No, it's not. Now, the referees, again, I think Sean Stack was only working off what the linesman saw. And again, we go back to, it, it has come back to you only get one glimpse at it. I use a reference to rugby there. Rugby get to look at it. 10 times before they make a decision. So with that, until you support referees, you're going to have to accept that you're also going to get decisions wrong and that's just going to be the nature of it. So yeah. the emphasis on the players to make sure that they don't give the referee something in the first place to look at and go, right, I have one decision here. What do, what do I remember of this tackle? Okay, I'm going to have to send someone off. So the emphasis is with the players until the referees get support. But I do agree that within that rule, there should be a mitigating factor that, okay, was it deliberate? Like we all know what deliberate is. We can identify what someone deliberately out to do harm is. But was it a case of lads kind of fighting for a ball, you know, a winter's night and you're slipping around the place? Yeah, no, there's discrepancy there to, to say that it, it was accidental. Okay, we'll talk about uh, the two games that Murph and I were watching on Saturday in a lot more detail on the members' pod. That was Kilkenny's uh, win on side, 21 points to 117 against Cork. Want to look at the puckouts, particularly in Cork's strategy. 
And we'll talk a bit about that Offaly draw against uh, Wexford as well, which weirdly for a lot of Offaly people almost felt like a defeat at the end of it, given how far they were ahead at various stages of the game, the amount of wides that they hit during it. But again, I think uh, as an Offaly person, a very heartening performance against Wexford on Saturday night. So that is where we will leave the what's now the Tuesday pod as opposed to the Monday pod. Gentlemen, thanks a million. So lads. See ya. OTB's The Hurling Pod with Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship.